to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Good day, listener. It is time for the next episode of the Big Red Couch. You're listening to Ben, here down under in the recently uh, slightly more less locked down New Zealand, and co-hosting this episode with me today is Craig. Who is sort of locked down, but mostly just due to the construction of apartments. Huh. They're just, like, yeah. encroaching, taking up all of the uh, unused space in the meantime. Uh, 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 that, that and I've been here for 18 months and the walls are closing in and looking at me <laughs> in contemptuous ways. Yes, folks, when not only the walls of the room you're in are closing in, but the walls of the buildings around the building you're in are also closing in, there you're having a moment. It is a... it's a sign. It kind of is, yeah. Though I will have to say I do follow the bits of news from New Zealand, and it was entertained to note that an island nation with some very strict quarantine has sub-quarantine areas within it which are also islands. Because an, an island, or in fact, as I understand it, a bunch of islands in Auckland Harbour, or the, the Gulf immediately outside of Auckland Harbour, are now, you can only travel there if you have a, a reason, effectively. So we've got quarantine within quarantine, which I think is brilliant. That was always kind of Waiheke's move to begin with, to be fair. <laughs> it's, it's, mm. it's, a, it's, a bit of a, uh, it's a bit of a vibe they've got going. I mean... There aren't, like, border guards or anything, but you, uh, to travel there, you either have to live there or be prepared to pay the, the outrageous ferry costs and or, you know, book it some sort of vineyard thing. So uh, they're just carrying on a long story tradition. They're, they're kind of the place where, where Aucklanders who want to be like Aucklanders the rest of New Zealand go. So the even more exclusive bits of Auckland. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I mean, I have been to a very nice wedding in a vineyard on Waiheke Island, so yeah. There are a few vineyards. There's like two. There are there are a couple of sides. There are still the the ramshackle hippies sort of growing weed and um, grapes, you know, on the uh, some of the passion, but the rest of it is quite bougie. I mean, fine place to have a wedding, but hmm. yeah, yeah. I, and I'm not sure how serious. There was sort of like talks of succession and so forth <laughs> at times. <laughs> but I'm not sure where they would, you know, get all their e-scooters and um, random other mod cons from. I mean, that feels like Brexit, but smaller. <sighs> it it wouldn't be feasible. Let's just say it. Certainly not on the extent. No. So. I, I, I know people who had a student flat on Waiheke Island, because at least at the time... It was very cheap for a fairly awful flat. I suspect that has changed. <laughs> mm. I suspect that has changed a lot. But yes, to be fair, there are islands like Great Barrier and so forth, which are legitimately semi-remote. And you know, if there was a uh, if there was a outbreak out there, they would be proper fucked. Well, heck, you'd oh, be yeah. better off. But they they are within you know, like short boat slash helicopter distance to the uh, the major hospitals so of course if there is a major outbreak those hospitals will already probably be stuffed and we seem to be working on that 
the uh, this the, the sort of gradiated that they're sort of like oh people can do these things now it's like you can do these things it's like there's this little sort of chipping away at it and so most of it's for like we're just looking at going yeah nah hey let's just uh, I still have to get my second round which I'm gonna bring forward because there's plenty of opportunities to be to be vaccinated it's just kind of given our uh, three week um, recording cycle. I'm, we're pretty much, uh, I would be eligible, or at least it would be sensible to get the second one at a minimum this weekend. I'm thinking I will get it next weekend and just sort that out rather than the previous. Um, the way they were spacing out previously was like, everyone should get their first vaccination. It was like, that's great, but now we're running out of people who even want to get a first vaccination. Everyone should get their second. Yeah. So. Yeah. And unfortunately, it has started to um, get out of the the population center with all of the airports and start to creep around thanks to a few uh people who aren't very um considerate of their community so it doesn't take doesn't take many mm. why aren't gang members more civic minded <laughs> never mind answer that myself uh, it it is sounds like something that folks in newspaper columnists will focus on forever but yeah it's it it doesn't matter about their uh, extra legal affiliations if you know no one trusts medical science anymore. Mm. Always going to be an issue. Yeah, so those are fun times. So there's the downer for the start of the episode. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not really a very up, upbeat mood today. So we were just. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- maybe this will cheer you up. It, it won't, but you know the, uh, the, the hilarity of it. The I'm not even sure how to lead into this one, so I'll just run with it and hope it works. The south of England is currently experiencing uh, some some fuel shortages. This is specifically fuel yes. to run cars and trucks and that kind of thing. And the reason for this is not that there isn't any fuel. There, there is plenty of fuel. What there isn't is the capacity to move it around. And so there was possibly the greatest news article that I saw all week... The story of somebody driving a tanker that was transporting, I think, cement, like dry cement, Uh being followed by a stream of cars because they assumed it was going to a petrol station and they wanted to follow it there. Well, and and what's more, they were being they were following it in cars consuming petrol. To get to a point, presumably some 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 lovely cement works. <laughs> I I have been following the the um, sort of the rumor mill of I heard that this place had fuel, but only this sort of fuel. Ooh, this place had some fuel before. Yeah, you you do wonder how much fuel is being spent circling around trying to get more fuel. Well, yes, hoarding is really <laughs> sensible. You know, panic buying stuff is really a useful strategy it just you know it just means that things get run out even though the supply is actually you know and what is the the difficulty is the the main difficulty for transporting is that the border crossing is now even more of a faff than it used to be and drivers from europe you know places like poland and so forth are just going no you're all awful we don't want to work here anymore Pretty much, yes. There was a, a, a special sort of visa ordeal or something that was set up to try to encourage uh, European truck drivers to come back to the UK 
having left the UK because of that whole Brexit thing, to, to drive trucks so that there would not be shortages before Christmas. I believe less than 30 applicants. Also, the I, I have not confirmed this one, but there were various news articles about people who held German driver's licenses from before a certain date being contacted to ask whether they would be interested in driving heavy goods vehicles because the German driver's license before that certain date allowed them to drive anything up to a seven and a half ton vehicle. Oh, wow. So they're looking for Hessian mercenaries, but with <laughs> for HGV purposes. Hmm. I mean, I, I don't know yet whether they've um, sort of approached the Queen and say, "Look, we understand you drove a jeep during World War uh, World War Two. How do you feel about trucks?" Yes, they're pretty pretty much the same thing. Well, there, there you go. That's <laughs> the Blitz spirit for you. That's that'll um, that'll see them through. Uh, <clears throat> see them through something. Um, if it, it, sorry, to just I, I I have to periodically check. Sorry, is is. Could you just confirm for me the United Kingdom is a real place? As far as I can tell, yes. Not just a wild hallucination. It's got a flag, so probably not. <laughs> it, it is a real place. It's an increasingly ridiculous real place, but it is a real place. There's, there's got to be a, a level of ridiculousness, and I, we've seen this in other sort of circumstances where something begins to lose like coherence as a as like not just as a concept as a physical thing and just gets detuned i don't know <laughs> so what england just quietly fades out you're left with the islands of um <laughs> yeah the, the islands of scotland and, and wales sort of staring at each other across the the, the english sea and wondering well what do we do now oh so it happened to doggerland maybe that was some sort of mythical um a failure to 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 make sense. There's a there's a, there's a, there's a storyline in there. <laughs> yeah, <If> somebody <sighs> total reality failure um, after a mm. uh, prehistoric chieftain made increasingly stupid moves, and eventually the entire universe just gave up on them. I can see that happening. <laughs> yes, I hope we get some warning. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I don't. I don't know. I think it's all warning from this this thing, though. That that it would be a good segue. But I did want to share quickly a a tweet I saw. Somebody retweeted the cover of the Daily Mail with French threat to sink at Christmas, which they've spelled Xmas, which is probably a crime. It was it? They warn of Calais block and fishing storm as UK families start stockpiling. Ugly, ugly newspaper. It's it's terrible. Oh yeah. But somebody, uh, Anthony Collins, um, on Twitter, at Comma Chameleon, um, said, Not bad, but I would have gone with Super Calais Tragic Christmas Brexit Threat Atrocious. Nice. Nice. Which is... That, that person would have gone for it. I'm not sure the, the Daily Mail would have thought of it. I, I see them refer right, to right. as the Daily Hile a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, commonly known as a bad sign. A little bit, Yeah. So, um, let's see, we've done politics, Indeed. Uh, we've done quarantine, uh, it was foggy today, yeah. so I think we can tick off the, the British weather thing. Um, Indeed, and that, 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 that's enough for a podcast, I assume. <laughs> no, we haven't done sponsored content, we, we need to get some of that good sponk on. I'm going to ask you to repeat that sentence. 
Why? It was because I'm not sure whether I heard the last word correctly, and I want to <laughs> I, I want to be sure before giggling like the immature human being that I. I am. think. Look, you you don't want me to repeat that sentence because I was facetious and bs the portmanteau the portmanteau of sponsored content being sponcon is not good. It's one of the it's it is altogether it, it, a bad thing. It, it does sound he's got he's got a sponcon. Um, yeah, <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Which I'm assuming was the intent. that would get you bottled in a public house in the uh, scepted Isles that you're uh, you're currently inhabit. Or laughed at it. Really, could go either way. Laughed at or with it. Could it, it's a rich tapestry. It really is indeed. With with some suspicious stains on it. But we we don't have um, sponsored content though. I would there there is a Kickstarter. That by the time anybody hears this, will have finished. Which is our pattern, Fifi Fear. <laughs> Indeed. From uh, from Oddfish Games, How to RPG with Your Cat. Which really does seem like a direct product of kind of many of the things we just talked about. Pretty much, yes. Uh, from, from the description, um, How to RPG with Your Cat is a tabletop RPG where your cat acts as the dice. Can be played as a standalone RPG or integrated into other existing RPGs. Like I say, by the time anybody hears this, the Kickstart will have completed. Given that at the current point, they're like 300% funded, the fact that we've been of absolutely no help really hasn't affected anything. Indeed. But it looks fun, and the pitch video is quite funny. So, there you go. I might have been in the presence of more elderly cats in recent years, but honestly, I think they'd make better terrain than dice. <laughs> at, at best, like the most, um, the most terror. I know they've been used as the most terrifying miniature on the board, but um, yeah, I'm not seeing. I'm not imagining a lot of randomization. <laughs> Does the cat sleep in a clockwise or anti-clockwise direction? Yes. Which part of its body will the cat lick next? Um, yes. I guess that's an option. So I, I have played in a place where you could not allow dice to hit the floor, mm. partially because you didn't know where the floor had been, but mostly because there was a cat with thumbs, which delighted in pouncing on dice, carrying them away and dropping them down holes in the floor. That raises even more questions, but sure. I mean, the best answer I can um, I can give is that sometimes we make very poor housing decisions, particularly when we've reached the end of our first year of university and desperately want to not be living at home over summer. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Right. Also, we found a dead mo- mouse in the toaster once. Ah, <laughs> uh, so I guess this is the uh, having discussed all of these delightful delightful topics we should move on with the topic for this episode which is 165 it's all downhill from here which is uh, one of our anonymous or and and or deregistered suggestions that came out <laughs> of the uh, they had had said the uh, the serial numbers filed off of it possibly just by shuffling things around and so we don't have anyone to attribute this one to. Do we have any ideas? I do, though it did give me trouble. 
this this particular one. Yeah, no, I'm, I I feel that too. Yeah, that's uh. This one gave me trouble because of the game that I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Because it's all downhill from here made me immediately think of, oh, okay, it's a bunch of people at the very top of an orbital elevator. Every direction is downhill. One, I feel like I've done that before. Yes, exactly. I think we've done we've done that particular one. That was a um, a gas giant, and there were spookies. Ooh, I don't even remember that one. Yeah, that was one of yours. I'm pretty sure. I felt like I'd done it before, but I was. Yeah. I mean, it's, it certainly sounds like me, but uh, so yeah, I didn't want to do that, and so I I went with the other one of the is it or the, or the more the more the more cultural approach that <laughs> there are yeah, po- possibly influenced by my current nation of residence, but uh, let's not read too much into this quasi fantastical realm you find yourself in initially. Let's go with that. Yeah, quasi-fantastical. It's a mystic isle. <laughs> or something. So, there are any number of, of sort of stories and settings where sort of you've got a kingdom or an empire or a whatever in decline. You can make the argument that the Warhammer 40k universe, the, the, the Imperium of Man, is definitely in decline uh, and probably accelerating. The whole neighbourhood has kind of gone to shit, to be fair, but yes. Indeed. Um, there's a... There's you know, any number of games, and uh, uh, sort of Numenera or Earthdawn coming immediately to mind, where you're crashing around in the remains of what came before. Hmm. Though, to be fair, those are relatively optimistic. There is certainly history to be explored, but it there is no suggestion that stuff is... If things have can only get worse, and that's yeah, and that, that's kind of what I wanted to go with. So I and I was reminded. I think it was episode for issue fifty of the comic Sandman or the Sandman. I've never been sure. Which was I believe it was called Baghdad, but it basically had it's the story of the the Sultan of the of a kingdom. It's this wonderful, magnificent, well, magnificent Sultanate, I guess calling upon the king of the land of, of dreams because, as he puts it, he sort of looks around the city and says, this is as good as it's ever going to be, isn't it? There's no, there's nowhere it goes from here. This only gets worse. This is the height of the civilization and basically tries to come up with a way of saving it at this point. So that's kind of what I wanted to do. I, I liked the idea of you've got a, you've got a, whether it be a city or a civilization or a whatever, where it's reached its peak and it's not going, you know, it's maybe, yeah, maybe not that there's nowhere it can go from here, but it's just, you know, we know this is as good as, it's, as this is ever going to get. Uh, the problem hmm. I came up with was then, well, how on earth do you make a game out of that? Because you could do... Well, also, from whose perspective? I mean, if you're the Sultan, sure. I mean, things may not apparently... The, the main, uh, yeah, any change might seem bad, but also, who? What about all the people who are not the Sultan? I think that they may have some opinions on it as well. So there's also that. So oh just yes, a, but they're poor, a, so they don't matter. It, yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's, so there's. Sorry to jump in immediately, but there's kind of that aspect of, yes, this is the the apex of our of our civilization. Random singing outside. That would be the um, 
drunken, sh- probably dr- hopefully drunken, shouty git chorus. They, right. they they wander up and down periodically. It's much worse oh, wow. when football is happening because um, you they, they sort of come in three waves. There are the people who are shouty and boisterous because they've they've watched the football and it was a really good game and so they're happy. And then a little bit mm. later, there are the ones who are like actually quite drunk and they're shouty and drunk because they're drunk. And then the last lot are the ones who are even drunker and are just really, really aggressive for no readily explainable reason. Hmm. Uh, there was some of them I ov- overheard during the, the World Cup where it's like, England had won a thing. Based on the, the accents, these were clearly English people who were screaming abuse at other people over the fact that England won. Which did make me think, what yes. on earth is going to happen if they don't? Hmm. So, yes, but so random shouty people appear to have gone, so we'll, we'll, we'll strike while the iron's hot. Yeah, so the problem was sort of I, I had the kind of the vibe I wanted. I couldn't 100% figure out how to turn it into a game. So what I came up with was effectively sort of starting a game at that moment where, functionally speaking, it is all over. And I'm not thinking sort of in the ten candles, we're all doomed, the lights are going out. And this this obviously could require some yeah would would require some so, so, some some workshopping and some focus groups to turn it into something more playable. But the the notion I had was you've got you've got a mighty fantasy city. You could go science fiction, but I sort of wanted to head away from the orbital elevator a bit. So mighty fantasy city, somewhat to the north. So we're you could draw some parallels with Game of Thrones, but I'd prefer not to because I really didn't like the last few seasons. It's it's the center of a great empire. They are pretty awesome. They're quite impressed with themselves. They are pretty awesome. But the ice is approaching. And one of the advantages of it being a fantasy realm is that you, you don't have to go with the whole, oh, and it's gradually getting colder. It's like, no, you can just have this mile-high wall of ice that's slowly encroaching further and further every season. And so, basically, they've determined we can't stop it. We can't, we can't sort of fight this back. We need to, basically, we need to evacuate the kingdom. We need to move everybody. And again, because this is sort of fantasy realm and it would be more fun if this happened relatively quickly, what they came up with is effectively, okay, big magical portal. We're just going to funnel everybody in and it will move them to somewhere safer. We're not 100% sure where and not everybody's going to end up in the same place. So this is very much the end of our civilization. Uh, but at least everybody will be okay. And so they've kind of stripped the city. They've funneled everybody through the um, in, into the, the, the magical portal in the town square. But because, well, mostly because this is the idea I came up with, you know, the, 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 the magical summoning circle takes a certain number of people reading the incantation for it to work, which means hmm. somebody's going to have to stay behind. A number of people coincidentally lining up with the size of your player group. And so the game starts effectively when that last person goes through and you sort of stop reading and the the portal collapses and you're standing there in your various spots on a chalk outline with this wall of ice off in the distance, wondering what the hell to do next. Cool. And getting cooler, I suspect. <laughs> nice. You can't tell, but I was doing one of those really obnoxious sort of double finger point things. Yeah, no, I could hear it. It was, it was very audible. Oh. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> well, that's just awkward. Well, you know, they've, they've been 
recent sort of like things proving that you can recover sound from video if there's something if you've got sensitive enough you can pick up movement from objects affected by sound so i'm presuming there is a corollary where you can pick up video from sound when someone does something like that if they have a particular tone when they do that obnoxious double finger gun um yeah that makes sense yeah and i probably do like it seems likely yes the audible audible sharpness things like that hmm yeah okay this does sound very tin candlesy, to be honest. It really does. I'm not. Yeah, I wasn't sure quite how to make it not tin candlesy, but so it kind of ended up there anyway. It feels yeah. a bit sandboxy. Well, because the thing is that if people are leaving, they are not going to be leaving behind. You know, in fact, if people are going, all right, we are we are all basically getting ejector seated into some other wacky fantasy realm presumably and it could just be somewhere else on the same on the same planet or plane or or whatever yeah, it could just it, be okay so we've basically just pointed it south and we're hoping um but yeah true but there's like there's like oh I, I left the stove on kind of thoughts is probably going to be uh, not worth uh, entertaining so the people there may not be oh, a yeah. lot left for the um the custodians of the portal to uh, to be getting on with i mean you could you could have it there's, there's a couple of avenues where you could you could run it like a we are going to make the trek to see if we can make our own like small version of the portal find see if we can catch up with people or we're going to just basically trick south and see if we can find it where where people wound up and see if we can make that perilous journey after having making made the sacrifice presumably they'll hope they'll be happy to see us provide the um the the mega glacier isn't like on our heels <laughs> or you could do the bit from the quiet earth where bruno lawrence realizes he's the last person in existence and goes let's not say quietly out of his good and winds up in a, a very nice negligee at the well there's the the i think it's like on the, the balcony of the governor's house surrounded by pa speakers and cut cutouts of world leaders proclaiming his uh, his his dominion over the entire quiet earth doesn't he also shoot up a church at one point after demanding that god present himself or the kid gets it <laughs> yeah he, he he is going on a journey of uh, understandable grief and addressing what what has happened so yes that's a there is the option, I mean, there is the option for the game to be about the whole sort of catharsis. Well, we did the thing, we are free to do whatever we want, where our actions have no, no consequences, but we are dealing with the fact that the, that, that the consequences include presumably surviving for very much longer, which is kind of nihilistic mm. and could be an oddly, you know, like cathartic kind of experience, or the more practical, rugged, well, I guess we're going to look for the last, the last island in the sun, heads, uh, head, heading south, and we'll live out our days there, being super practical castaway um, types. You should probably set a, pick a tone before you go into the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even if there is somebody who's who's like pulling against it, it should be it should be um, acknowledged that there is a that shouldn't happen at random. <laughs> I feel yeah. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, you should you should know roughly what you're walking into. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's um. 
and I guess from there you you model it on something which is a a suitable fit. I mean, any sort of survival hazards of the wild kind of we need to we need to husband our resources and and to and plan to make our way across this vast distance type of game. You know, you know, and you could use it from anything or from you you could do use zombie cinema and have the um have the wall of ice as the the, the encroaching threat. Mm. Or you could just like play it as like it's a, it's kind of a dungeon delve but you're walking away from the big block of ice. Assuming that the the uh, players don't want to go with let us tell the story of the last days of well probably the last weeks slash months of these people. Assuming the players don't want to go with that and they want to go with their well I guess we head south onward. You could go a bit you could go a little bit mythic on it. Weirdly I've got my brain keeps trying to give me an image of something that is relevant, but it's not giving me enough information to actually go on. But sort of the idea that you're, you, you've got your party headed south, and presumably they're going to get outside of the borders of whatever this this empire was, and run into other people. Maybe they those folks might want to come along as well. Hmm. Not really a journey to the west, so much as a let's head somewhere where it might be warmer or let's head somewhere that's not going to be a mile high ice cube yeah and you're you're but yeah you kind of want something that's a little bit more cheerful than the road or on the beach but with you know oh lord yes yeah so you are hovering in that vicinity to some degree yeah you'd want to be that's always i think in the back of the mind but yeah i'd want it to be um so yeah, almost your sort of your, your your eventual wagon train of people who've tagged along for the ride. Okay, so a little bit more like the anime Girls' Last Tour. A little bit. I I didn't watch all yeah. of that. Hmm. I think I ran into codec problems, but I could be wrong. Oh my goodness. Hmm. But yes, that and that fundamentally is a couple of like teenagers, effectively on a oh kittenrad tracked motorcycle because somebody just liked drawing a tracked motorcycle business i think um slowly making their way around a world devastated by what appears to be war and also people building like several superstructures above the actual ground for mm. little comprehensible reason yeah, the first the first episode, they're almost entirely inside a structure and have been for days, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Like everything is a cross between like an aircraft carrier, a factory, and some sort of weird everything is steel plate kind of thing, and you know they're just making mm. their way around, discovering the odd. They, they discover some very some a very few individuals and basically make some very limited discovery discoveries around the world but mostly it's just them dealing with the fact that the world has stopped basically so it could it could have a vibe of something like that uh almost a cozy catastrophe sort of thing maybe mm. i mean maybe it's it maybe it's effectively a bucket list maybe um they the characters do a tour of all of these places that they um they wanted to see before the ice gets it and maybe that's part of the reason you know that they're um they 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 did this noble sacrifice, but also they had other reasons because they wanted they wanted to sort of say goodbye 
or maybe it is actually a really elaborate heist and you know they're like ah <laughs> now every, now everyone's out of the way we can pull out the one last ultimate job though that is pretty ridiculous <laughs> i mean it's funny yeah in a weird way okay yeah so there's shades of the taking of beverly hills but with vastly higher stakes yeah yeah or at least vastly more disruptive preparation and it doesn't Mm. actually like it's not a million miles away from the um the business model of crypto mining so maybe (laughs) (laughs) Mm. yeah yeah you could you could have yes you could you could have some fun with that it would as you say it would very much depend on what the players wanted to do I think I, as a player, would quite like the um, mm. the weird combination of, for realistically, first season Avatar, The Last Airbender, and um, and this sort of perilous journey of survival of like, right, we're going to head south to where it's warm, but first we're going to go over here and ride the ice penguins. Um, this sort of thing. Yeah. <sighs> I, I've got... I- Gotta say, this is one of the few ideas you've come up with where I kind of looked at, I'm, I'm looking at a couple of different angles, and aside from, um, actually, I, I, gotta, I, I do gotta gain say you there, where you don't want the players to come up with the whole thing because players are notoriously awful, independent thinkers. Oh, well, it's awful. Way yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's also relevant. But the fact that they might come up with different sorts of awful will make the game disintegrate. If you've come up with somebody who would have been selfless enough to um, to help the rest of their civilization escape um, via the portal, but not that they wouldn't be able to take, but also wants to have fun um, watching the the rest of the civilization um, getting slowly bulldozed by a, a glacier, you should you should need to set that out in advance so they can do different interpretations of what is within that space. It's when those spaces start to separate around different parts of the party is when you have your 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 classic rpg clusterfuck <laughs> so true i that, that did actually just give me an idea though of an alternative way of of having the setup because there's the whole thing of presumably these are people who volunteered for this or maybe they just drew straws and are desperately unlucky mm-hmm. what if it wasn't even that what if it's a case of you've got these four people or yeah five people or Insert size of party here, people. Sorry, been coding a lot this week. Uh, let's all pretend that never happened. Um, and they were basically, they, they effectively, they just sort of went down the list and said, right, okay, so where are, yeah, can, can we find a suitable number of indentured, um, indentured workers, slaves, who can read? Cool. Set those ones aside. And so it's not a case of they're heroically reading the thing to, to let everybody else escape. It's basically they're reading the thing because there's sort of a guy with a crossbow pointed uh, pointed at them walking backwards through the portal to make sure they keep doing it until he's through. It's the this was the pinnacle of it was basically looping back to there. The Sultan thinks it's brilliant. Everybody else had different views. It was very much a yes. It's definitely all downhill from here. But on the other hand, we got rid of those guys. I'm not sure mm. where you go with that. Possibly it becomes this thing of right. So everybody escaped further south and left us here. Let's go further south and fuck up their shit. It's their turn. Yeah, yeah, no, it's... I mean, and it, it might not even be, like, that it's like the threat is implicit. If this, if the, the, the ritual is invo- involved enough, maybe they just sort of, like, pulled the curtains and went, all right, we'll be back, back in a tick. It's like, 
hang about, no one's got through the portal for an hour and like it, nobody's been, been in to check on us and they've been doing that like on a, on a, like a five minutely basis for the last, you know, however long we've been doing this. Mm. Have we been left behind? <laughs> oh, wow. So it's like a sort of like a weird rapture kind of thing, but they've been um, one. Way, yeah, I mean, even if it, if it was like threats of violence or something directly, it's like, oh, actually, all those those bastards have left us. Wait a minute, those bastards have gone. That's great. Maybe and maybe <laughs> yeah. it, you still you still you still need something. That's a different motivation or maybe a different context, but you still need to come up with what they're going to do. Either it's like painting sort of like dicks on the walls of the, the castle or something, or um, you know. <laughs> be responsibly <laughs> responsibly kidding yourself out to walk down and give the 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 the, uh, the evacuees a piece of your mind so yeah it tricky this one tricky it's kind of mm. yeah i gotta say this is one of the ones that you, the your ideas have given me the most pause for the most number of reasons oh yeah wait that was the wrong response i know that now okay moving <laughs> on yeah i suspect pitching this you'd realistically pitch it with okay so there yeah that is going to be the opening scene of the game where do you want it to go i um, i probably contend, be how i contend i i gotta say that you should when as a the name of the game is we're pitching something this is this the big red couch experience coming here they're gonna sorry i gotta pull my um Rorankis political officer on this one um when did you get made political officer just then <laughs> fair enough can't argue with that. Yeah, indeed. Well, the political officer will have me shot. <laughs> that was almost my fa- favourite thing of that space um, spacecraft Ramsch, that the, the weird German. Oh, Ram- Raumspiel Orion or something? Yeah, yeah. Space Patrol Orion? They, they, they didn't have a security. They didn't have a security officer. They had a political officer instead. I thought that was that was yeah, that was that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, Bad translation or deliberate? We will never know. Oh, absolutely deliberate. That was they were they were they were the commissar. They were the f- <laughs> they were oh there was yeah yeah they they they, 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 they was light enough they were going to be like shooting anyone in the back for retreating, but um it was definitely they were East German for a start. It was still a thing in the future. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So it's fascinating. Anyway, part of the thing is that we're trying to. That is part of the the format of our podcast is that we're trying to pitch a game to people, and I feel that actually giving them latitude, players, bless them, giving them the latitude to fuck the game up that severely, or not saying this is the experience, or at least or saying this is the experience that we're trying to give is actually a shortcoming for the idea. That's fair. I mean, you could give them options or you could pitch them as two separate things, but having it say, all right, these are two wildly different things. I mean, maybe, I mean, even if you catch it, it's like, play to find out, you've just been given this traumatic news that you've been screwed over and you've just been abandoned in a, in a like a, a, a desolate haunted city. And the, the, the group's reaction to that is the game. It doesn't sound like a super fun game, but it is still a, an experience. Having the players choose between the experiences and probably not coming down all on the same side, that's just a nightmare. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to, 
I, I suspect the, the the Quiet Earth uh, Ten Candles one is is your one shot option, and the right we're going to go down there, we're going to find them, and we're going to kick them. Also, I'm sick of looking at ice. Um, is the sort of more extended play yeah. version? Yeah, it's a it's a, and it's a kind of compelling idea that this was the setup. But yeah, I think it's behooves us to think about how people would engage with it. Which is, I think, I think if we accomplish nothing else, getting people who are coming up with games, as well as you know, inspiring people to come up with games that are better than ours, it, getting them to consider how people are going to engage with the idea is also pretty important. Okay, sorry for crapping all over your um, <laughs> your your, no, no, your no, idea. No. It's what yeah. I I will I will just throw throw in just before we we move on. Remembering, I think it's the first episode of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which does have somebody riding a glacier around a city. It is relatively small. It's more like like the um, X Men's Iceman kind of uh, surfing it's, on ice. Yeah, it's, it's it's a bunch of ice. I'm just sort of yeah, imagining the version of the of, of things that neither of us considered, which is not the. So we will sit here and be crushed by the ice, and this is the tale of our last days. Or the, we are going to head south for somewhere warmer. This is the, no, we're going to research the, the magics, we're going to carve an enormous, um, uh, an enormous um, transmutation circle onto that, that ice outcropping there, and then we're going to ride a glacier all the way down and fuck up this shit. <laughs> option three. That is another option. That is another yeah. option. <laughs> that one, I feel, is an extremely anime option. Yeah. If only because it would be hilarious. Sorry, anyway, you, you, you were saying, yes. Having, having crapped over your idea, um, I guess... That's my turn! The, uh, <laughs> oh, wait, that was the wrong message. Well, as, as I say, we'll, we'll keep to the theme. It is still all downhill from here. I, I guess I was immediately going with the literal aspect of this. The stuff that it was bringing to mind for me was... Actually, one of the things was like soapbox derbies. Not something that happened in New Zealand so much... But the idea of, you know, apart from the parental interference, so I, I'm thinking back to the wholesome wholesome days when kids were allowed to have power tools and, and uh, hammers and nails and to hur- hurl themselves down um, slopes. Okay, I never got the power tools bit, but the rest of it, yes. But power, yeah, yeah, power yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm impressed. Well, actually, true, true. Indeed. Well, it's not something I did, but I'm sure that is, that was, that is enshrined <laughs> in some sort of boomer race memory as being a good thing that you can't possibly let any of your uh, children actually enjoy. But also, you know, those ridiculous, like the Birdman competitions, you know, that hosted by energy drink companies, they get people completely addled on um, their products and hurl themselves in like decorative, aerodynamically unsound things off of wolves and the like. I remember that from, from kids, I think before anybody had ever heard of Red Bull. So it may be that it was just a thing that they did and televised. Um, I was hazy on yeah, the Yeah, they may just yeah. have they may just have to have slapped marketing on it. Anyway. Yeah. So I remember trying to but my parents being unable to explain to me at the time why it was that people were building these elaborate things out of cardboard when hang gliders already existed. <laughs> I, basically I didn't get the concept, would be would be fair to say. That that describes a certain amount of my childhood. So yeah. Fair enough. And it reminded and it reminded me of a nineteen sixty five allegedly the first skateboarding movie ever called Skater Data, 
which is like a, a fraught, not quite teen romance, but more of a teens manage to get their 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 hobby slash club disrupted by the fact that there is a girl somewhere involved in it, which is quite it it's really well I've, I've i recently i found a um a remastered version it's really well really well shot and put together some dodgy folly but we'll let we'll let that go but when i first actually saw it, i think it was one of those 24-hour movie marathons or something a really old possibly black and white version Ooh. so okay they and, and these these kids are riding penny boards with bare feet down like tarmac roads it it seemed more like in, in, the, in an either the muted colours or the black and white, it seemed way more Dickensian and terrifying. There was something sinister about it. It was very um, Village of the Damned kind of feel. So, <laughs> we'll ride our pity boards down to the workhouse to feed our families. Indeed, indeed. Or they were just sort of sinister, sinisterly... Um, because there's a fair amount of actual public reaction to these these skateboarding urchins as well so there's some quite genuine dismay at these uh these youngsters zooming around an interesting artifact for sure and um terrifying on a couple of levels mostly on the whole um the personal safety stuff again i recall that we did the um the gas giant ghost possession thing and also all of it the um the iceberg racing that we did for power drift so as ideas but for some reason, I kept kind of like coming back to mega structures. The idea that something is so large that there is always a slope somewhere. Though, if you get to something like the size of a Dyson sphere, or anything remotely the size of a planet, you don't have a slope particularly because, as we have been been reliably informed by the by flat Earth conspiracy folks, you, you there is no there is no apparent downhill, which you know, okay. <laughs> that that's that being a given the idea that the you have something like an incomplete dyson sphere the idea that you've got uh just like say a, a effectively a uh rather than a flat earth but a dish earth like what a, a tiny percentage of it but it was it's incomplete maybe it's in the middle of being constructed or um it, it's a failed experiment, but you've still got people living in the fringes around the uh, around the interior because the that the the, the, the section that, that directly faces sunlight is always going to be facing sunlight and difficult. But the idea that you are having, say, you're having people descend into it to look for resources or try and fi- uh, try and figure out what's going on, it was an option, and it would could be like a, a semi dungeon delve kind of thing, but you know, with with different sorts of um, dangers and so forth in the environment and, and um, possible left behind stuff. I guess that then I mentally take that as being convexia, as a as a kind of <coughs> nice. That also that also reminded me of um, Made in Abyss, which. Is a, as an anime is a troubling thing. Uh, John Rio has made his own take on that 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 world, and you know, he's produced that sort of thing. But it's a tricky anime to recommend because while it has beautiful music, it's, it's drawn beautifully. Many of the characters are really quite engaging and cool. The idea is fascinating. It is just a bucket of trauma. They're just things that keep huh. happening to likable characters that you know you wouldn't. You just don't want to even see, much less would you. You would want to have happen to 
characters you dislike. It's, yeah, and it's, um, it's managed to also escalate every time, which part of the kind of part of the mechanic is that the abyss, basically a terrifying hole in the ground in the middle of a small island, which has a, a, a thriving community built around it. The delvers that go down are the, the 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 issue with it is that to some people that the abyss calls to them to, to to enter and try and find the mysteries but it's full of monsters and something called the curse which is basically that if you descend but if you come back up too quickly or you break a sort of like a certain certain layer you're basically wrapped with something like the bends a bit worse um and it gets oh. more and more egregious the further you go down and it, the, the 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 white whistles the people have gone down a certain different distance are fundamentally changed in some way that you know means that they 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 are more apt to survive it but also they're not really entirely human anymore to some degree so you know, okay. meeting up with these 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 characters are part of, is part of the draw um but yes they've escalated it every sort of series or like most of them come out as like movies and like so it's a really well made but really bleak in places and quite quite terrifying so uncomfortable with that uncomfortable with the idea that the whole it's all downhill is kind of like literally things are just going to get worse from this point kind of thing i was wondered briefly about the idea that maybe the construction of like a megastructure is being carried out by like generations of the society and effectively from a place where for where, where new people are made whatever mechanism makes sense in your your version of this you have basically a concentric waves of people going out because as the, the structure gets bigger you need more people and so forth but they 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 move out to learn how to to grow up learning how to maintain and construct and build this thing but that becomes sort of like a perpetual um, high school anime where people are graduating constantly to move further out to the edges presumably where um, all of the difficult and possibly uh, life um, truncating efforts are happening <laughs> so it becomes a kind of, kind of weird um, hyper expansionist kind of thing but you but with this with the with a, the idea that everyone's moving out towards the these fringes to keep on building out into that that's kind of a kind of an odd setting as well but kind of interesting yeah i was gonna say in shades of oh there was an there was a doctor who episode with this sort of constant and unending war going on between two Mm. uh, two races mostly underground and they were basically keeping the um you know the, the human side of it was sort of keeping the army stocked through sort of effectively genetic printing they could mm. they could churn out people and you could sort of Im- imagine with that the the idea of this machine that's sort of sitting at the center just churning out people by endlessly um either by just endlessly selecting from the same list of patterns or by mm. trying to combine them and seeing what happens who are then sort of dispatched off in various directions to go out there and get quite to certainly see quite literally go on the um the 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 journey of kind of apprentice journeyman etc 
as they get further and further out towards the the edge where the really dangerous and um, impressive stuff is happening. So it just mm. struck me. <laughs> You've got to wonder who the hell it's all for. Yes, it might, might be one of those runaway things where you someone sets something up and wanders off, planning to come back millennia later and see if something has happened. So kind of reduces a society down to like a a cultured uh, a, sorry a culture in a dish rather than a culture in a in a broader sense. Mm. So yes, sorry. Yeah. So that was that was what did, struck me with that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that, those sort of things. They they they're odd kind of settings for more than a game. But I was figuring maybe coming back to the idea of combining the kind of the, those threads and coming up with what is effectively a mega structure that is, as far as the people living on it are concerned, one gigantic slope, and it is ex- it is extremely easy, um, especially if you if you have uh, the amount of practice that you probably get to ride this incline on like on a wheeled platform, functionally for an entire lifetime. It is absurdly big. It is it is ring world sized but it is perpetually functionally a a, a slope so the the idea becomes that you know people are exploring i guess it's the i guess it's the long stair thing again but with like a like a societal kind of backup the idea that people are 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 striving to find you know the next thing down the um down the incline and part of what they do is, you know, basically they, they ride skateboards and, you know, they, 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 uh, there would be various things to make sure that you didn't lose your skateboard. And, and I think tethers were probably a, a, a important thing, especially since you didn't want someone a couple of days down the line getting um, beamed by a uh, errant um, board. Because <laughs> they probably traveling. That is why snowboard tethers and those, those weird things that mm. stop skis from running away exist. So, yes. Yeah, so the um, the idea that that's uh, and maybe you know the also the societies their 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 boundary when they're properly set up they actually have something to catch things that will might slip by, mm, stuff that slides down from further further up. Mm. Part of it would be sort of like ah yes, someone's sending us a delivery or some mail or something like that. That that you know that, that we know it comes down a particular channel. So the thing the thing isn't just. A feature of slope there are outcroppings and things built into it which are all part of the mechanism of whatever this ridiculous structure is but people have co-opted those to make a little make little, little settlements and places to live that's very weird but there's always the 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 riders always always pushing further da- further down and dealing with very for like you know there are changes and so forth the, the to the the environment or dealing with the risks inherent in being somewhere where if you, um, well, yeah, it'll be a little bit like the you know, people sleeping in tents halfway up rock faces kind of things. Maybe there are long stretches where there is just nothing but sweet, sweet, sick-ass boarding surface to uh, contend with. <laughs> See, when you first described it, I was sort of imagining a, a very steep face, but I get the idea that this is more sort of a, a continual shallow a continuing shallow descent. Yeah, I think I suspect anything over like ten degrees would be ridiculous because it would just be it would just, it would just become too extreme. Extreme in the nineties sense. But yeah, yes. is it even possible to be too extreme? 
Yes, yes, it is. That, that, that's very cool and very weird. Well, it could be very, very rad. The the idea that the, the idea that you might have a way back, but it might be effectively a hot air balloon that the that the uh, the various pieces are broken up between your team because it's like the largest object, the largest compound object that you've got. But your expedition is um, slaloming down the slope to keep your speed relatively um, relatively even and dealing with hazards that you know from like downhill sections that are long enough that your need to sleep it becomes a problem and you know or uh, you're fetching up in places where there are outcroppings and things that you um you, you have to investigate and and try and figure out what could be if this is a place that could support life for your your, your weird slightly inclined culture huh that's pretty cool it puts and it puts me in mind of a couple of things just to throw it out there there is a book by i think it's christopher priest inverted world which has it has people living on the surface of a giant hyperbola hmm. where the yeah you know, the surface itself is con- is constantly moving so time time is measured in miles of travel because they have to keep moving their city in order to kind of not go too far, not go too far forward or back. Right. It just sort of struck me as the very, the, the very weird um, sort of um, setting. And yeah, sort of if you go too far, sort of end up too far behind the city, you'll find that it's traveled a lot further than you thought it would because time is traveling slower. But if you go too far ahead of the city, well, you've got all the time in the world, but you're aging quickly. Mm. It's a weird one, even by Christopher Priest's standard. Yeah, line of sight and distances make no sense as well. And it's big enough that there's not so much of an issue, but yeah. Um, there, There is somebody working on a non-Euclidean first-person shooter. Or of course first-person game, at least. I don't, know, I don't know if shooting would be wise. <laughs> but yeah, uh-huh. basically, I mean, on a um, hyperbolic surface... Actually, making all of the uh, making all of the renderers behave and this uh, what you know normally they they you know, video games are made on these just completely Euclidean flat planes because it's simpler. But they've decided, nah, that's too easy. <laughs> it's going to be interesting because there's a chunk of the default behavior of the graphics system that you're not going to be able to use because it's going to want to yep. be all boring and Euclidean on you, and um, you have. Eschewed such fripperies. Indeed, indeed. It's uh, fascinating, and I understand almost none of it. <laughs> I just about did my head in trying to understand rotational... Um, uh, the, the rotational systems of trying to fire a... Firing a projectile inside a rotating cylinder. Of what actually <laughs> happens. Um, so sort of try to figure out, okay, what path does the bullet even take? from different people's perspectives. That damn near did my head in. Yeah, that, and, and you're saying if you, if you had a, like a pat of butter and you turned on a, in a perfectly, on a perfectly normal planet, in a perfectly normal system, and you just turned the, iner- the inertia off on it, what would happen? Hmm. Just on the pat of butter? Just on the pat of butter. It would accelerate at shocking speed in a direction, but you pick. 
you'd want to you'd want to time it carefully, I suspect. Yeah, because I mean, I'm already putting far too much thought into this. <laughs> but um, if we assume that sort of t- yeah, I mean, your ideal version of it is that it just yeah, it moves away from the surface that it's sitting in and you know, effectively goes up as it continues to travel in a straight line and the Earth kind of curves underneath it. But that's your True. ideal circumstance. Yeah, the, 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 there's the, tan- the tangent working in your favour. Yeah, the tangent working in your favour. Um, if, on the other hand, you're also in a circumstance where the Earth is... Yeah, the tangent's working in your favour, but also you're on the sort of the backside of the Earth, and presumably it's just going to go upwards really fast, as well as doing that, because now the planet is moving away from it. Um, mm. It's it's a weird one, yeah. Okay, so you've got... I suppose the question is, how, does it even matter how this weird civilization got there? No. Are there any more civilizations? Is, is there is there anybody for them to run into, or is it just them? It's possible. Or is it play to find out? Yeah, it's possible that that would be that would be a complete recontextualization because if they discover that m- maybe people went went before them and have established a, a civilization that they don't they, they don't know about, how long ago was that? Is that how how much has that changed? Are there little groups of people scattered all along the like local length of this of the structure, or are they actually the the the, the bleeding the bleeding edge are they the first people to get this far and maybe survive or you know is that it that really shapes what sort of experience you're looking at if you're possibly mm. coming across maybe evidence or you're even just things that have fallen because you, you kind of you're kind of dealing with like abyssal trench kind of situations there so um you might find mm. stuff that was that remnants of stuff that was uh, from the uh the worlds above, but whatever it is, it accelerated into a um, into a wall for like a, a couple of months, <laughs> just and then suddenly stopped. So, oof, do you know what it, do you know what it was? Hmm, hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. No. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So. Yeah, so it it depends on exactly the kind of flavor. I mean, you could literally. It could effectively be a first contact situation at, at that stage, maybe that you skate far enough down to um, to meet with the next group on the rung, and you resolve that situation. However, it would be hopefully not end in conflict because that would be sad, but um, definitely be something there, or it would become sort of an archaeological thing, or you know maybe you just find the end of this weird ramp and it that you deal with the um the implications of that so it's very much an explore to find out what's out there kind of um yeah kind of deal which which can be fun i mean i sort of i have this image of this this very long ramp and somewhere up up the top where they can't see anymore is this spaceship that's augured into it which is where they came from Mm. (laughs) that might just be what's going on in my head the idea that they could yeah, sort of after traveling for days, they find some out, outcropping full of sort of bizarre machinery that they don't understand, but clear evidence that there were people here at one point. Mm. Meaning that presumably somewhere further down, those people might still be around. Um, that could yeah. be quite fun. What could be creepy is if you find that there were some people there and something happened to them. 
Mm. Yep. De- depending on the the take you want to go with. Did have a thought as to just how to construct this very long surface. And I'm not oh, it's a very long sloping surface. I'm not sure whether the physics or the mathematics holds, but I was just trying to imagine what happens if you've got if you've got your classic ring world that you've presumably constructed in a non non rotating way. Right. And you're running up to speed. And that's presumably oh. going to take a while. And so you've got people who are standing on what is a, a yeah, sort of objectively a flat surface that is accelerating at a steady rate underneath them. I huh. don't know for sure, but that would that might give sort of in my head that gives the impression of this the, the surface having a slight down slope. And it could be big enough that they they cannot they cannot apprehend the fact that it's curved. Well, if you've got sort of a, a slope that's the size of the Earth's orbit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're, 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 they're living in the arc seconds. Indeed. If that. And, yeah, <laughs> that's that's actually very wacky. It's like, yeah, the, 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 the audacity of the civilization that goes, right, we'll build ourselves a ring world. Cool, it looks brilliant. Absolutely love it, love it. Ah, oh. Actually, that should spin, shouldn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, Let, let's get to spin. It's like just slowly wind it up. <laughs> and presumably it has to spin if you want there to be gravity, because otherwise what you've got is this enormous object that's just kind of floating mm. there. So, I mean, maybe they've no, got gravity it, generators or whatever, but... Um, well, mass mass generates gravity, and it's going to be fucking huge, so it'll, it'll have gravity. <laughs> it whether it's be... gravity in a useful direction... Um, yeah. But yeah, well, it'll be centripetal at all. But you know, it'll be uh, it'll it'll, mm. it'll stick something to something. But that's how the, how the universe got to be where it and the uh, questionable shape it is today. Indeed. Yeah, no, that's kind of disturbing. Yeah, because it also suggests that if things still being spun up to speed, then presumably these people arrived well sometime after it was constructed. Obviously, mm. after it had been there long enough to develop an atmosphere. Or for the atmosphere, <laughs> the atmosphere processors to to do their jobs, and presumably those had to wait until there was enough gravity to actually, yeah, for, to make it worth pumping out any oxygen molecules. But presumably before anybody came in in to do much in the way of plants and wildlife, unless mm. they just started somewhere else on the, um, you know, the machinery to do that just started somewhere else and hasn't got there yet. You know, it, it could be that this thing's, yeah. This thing spinning up to speed somewhere down slope of them is the machinery, the the uh, the automated systems that are kind of crawling along and installing sort of oxygen generators and all this kind of thing. And then you know, somewhere else, there's the bits that are you know, presumably up behind them, is the bits that are sort of depositing, you know, effectively turfing the thing, and sort of putting in plants and that kind of stuff. That they basically yes. managed to put themselves right in the middle of a construction site, and they have no idea because it's stretched out over thousands of miles. Yes, a couple of astronomical units worth of they're in a window in the project that just happens to be you know, hundreds of years and 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 you know quite a few light seconds across. <laughs> that's a that's a yep. that's a big Gantt chart. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> It really is. Yeah. 
That's interesting. Maybe it's a, a story about living in the margins. Maybe that's the, uh, maybe, and you know, maybe that they're aware of it. Maybe that is the, um, this is the where they're eking out their uh, existence between the bit that um, is, you know, the bit where the uh, the air is breathable and the um, the next section, which you know, they're, they're gold plating everything or something. Hmm. Yes, they're living. They're living in the bit that nobody cares about. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And throwing in another literary reference, there's the book uh, Barking Death Squirrels, which has humanity in that kind of circumstance. It's the that that one took the notion that most creatures in the most intelligent races in the universe are these large logi predators and mm-hmm. consequently sort of planets like earth are very much no-go areas for them because the, the gravity is just too high and um humanity has kind of been reduced to traveling kind of in the the maintenance spaces and the forgotten bits of these much larger spacecraft and sort of ekes out a living based on being useful enough to to be sent down onto these planets that are too heavy for the the big scary things to go to to sort of provide useful stuff Hmm. it's it's an interesting book that reads kind of like a writing exercise because almost every chapter is from a different character's viewpoint and i'm pretty sure it swaps between first first person third person Maybe second person and uh, present and past tense. Interesting. That sounds a bit. That sounds a bit jarring, but it yeah. really was. I did not buy. It. I think there was another one. I did not buy it because the first one was just a. Uh, I'm enjoying this despite the writing style. Which it, the writing style just didn't work for me. Yeah, fair anyway, but yeah, that that is kind of interesting because then your 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 people on your your sort of infinite slope have to keep moving because but not too mm. much because if they go too far ahead they're presumably going to run out of air quite literally and if they go too far back the other way they're going to wander into the the planting zone they're effectively trampling over somebody's allotment and we've got to assume that they're probably not wanted there hmm yeah maybe it is like that they've they've gotten themselves stranded maybe in a in a, in a crash or something and they realize that whatever is doing this doesn't notice us or you know or the way we ways we communicate we just have to keep trekking to you know to to try and figure out how we can escape once more and that would be more of a um a less sort of eternal kind of um situation where the idea is that they scavenge and 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 loot enough stuff to actually affect an escape Mm, building yeah building up the resources to affect an escape without damaging anything enough to call attention to the fact that they're there. Hmm. Interesting. Probably not the direction you were going to. Going going for it. Yeah. Though points for getting, like, literally downhill all the way is quite impressive. The, the, the <laughs> fact that you managed to go literal on that one, but kudos. Hmm. <laughs> Intriguing. No, I quite like that one. That one, yeah, I think that, that extra twist that it isn't just a incomprehensible megastructure that people are bombing down on longboards which is which admittedly is kind of cool but yeah they're actually doing that as the advanced scouts of what presumably a small city or village on the um wheeled hull of a uh, a, a slowly being reconstructed spacecraft yeah 
pinching just enough stuff from each um, facility they find to mm. repair repair the state yeah repair the ship a little bit more without triggering anything mm. presumably working in the hope that eventually the ship will be repaired and they will find a hatch that they can shove it through yeah, they, they they may maybe it's just something they, they need to achieve escape velocity but doing so from the inside of ring world is a <laughs> complete bugger <laughs> I, I am now just imagining the circumstance of, yeah, okay, we've got the ship working, we've got it on wheels. And so the, the teams up in front are sort of surveying a route because they know they're going to need to basically just pull the chocks out, run this thing downhill for as long as possible oh, wow, without yeah. hitting anything. So it's kind of a, yeah, they wait until they're almost at the turfing zone and then just sort of release the bearings, let it go, and basically sort of shoot all the way out to in front of the atmosphere processors and kick the engine in at that point. Um, just for the, the extremely cinematic, ridiculous approach. I, I also, my instinct would be to undercut that by effectively having a um, a shot of what is the, the galactic equivalent of a um, one of those strap-on roller skates bumbling down the uh, garden path and crashing into like a strawberry patch or something but <laughs> i mean yes <laughs> yes yeah, so the, the, whatever um the carrier they use to keep it keep it moving in the meantime just kind of <laughs> rockets impressively lots of lots of lots of shuddering and bits falling off and you know observed from the the actual scale of the project is going like Dink. <laughs> yep Pretty much, yes. <laughs> hmm. Still, that is quite fun. Yeah, yeah. That that encloses that one quite nicely into a epic, an epic tale, which is not always what you want for a game. And it's like it, it's nice to know that that has uh, that its potential is there. Hmm. There is the book Orbitsville, I think, is what it was called. There are a couple of them in the series that has it basically concerns the the discovery of a habitable Dyson sphere and at one point some people do end up in the the situation of having to having to figure out how to make this incomprehensibly long journey across the surface of the sphere hmm. uh, the in- inside surface of the sphere in order to get well effectively back to the entrance they learn some things along the way but um, that sort of struck me as well just the the, the immense scale of the thing you know, you've got the hmm. thing of okay we've got our spaceship and we've got 4,000 miles of run-up. That ought to be enough. Yeah. Yeah, possibly with a path that has been carefully marked out at regular intervals by these surveying teams so that they know when to avoid various bits of structure along the way. Hmm. Cool. Cool. Well, I think that's about all we've got for episode 165, which you know, I, th- I think is quite fitting. It has all been downhill from here. But it will be uphill <laughs> To the next episode, he says, transitioning seamlessly. Uphill both ways. Yes, that's the one. Because our next episode, the, the prompt which comes to us from the uh, fertile mind of Taz. For episode 166, the prompt is, we can make anything into a dumpling. Anything. <laughs> Indeed. And I suppose that leads us to announce the um, poll options for episode 167 which for 167 you have the choice from the following enticing uh, options from terry we have 
Learning from technology. From Probably Craig, we have the Witherspoon's Coffee Experience. That's almost certainly. Witherspoon's is a pub. It's a thing. Is it pronounced wither or as in, or wither as in, you eat this with a spoon? It's wither. I think it's G, GD Witherspoon's. According right. to the person who is the CEO, it is named after a teacher who told him he would never amount to anything. So he just created the most disappointing deconstruction of the English public house experience. I guess that counts. Tell you what, if this one gets gets voted on... You'll do the episode from one of the spoons. I mean, yeah, uh, that would be <laughs> easy enough and awful. I was thinking more, I could see if I can get people who have have been to Witherspoons and are like English um, in the same way that I am not, to to weigh in on the, the cultural impact and importance of Witherspoons or spoons. Because, of course, it gets yes. referred to as spoons. I, I think that kind of summed up everything I needed to know that in the story about people trolling people by ordering stuff to their table. But, yeah... I mean, to be fair, the app is brilliant, but yeah, being able to send bowls of peas to a random table in a random Weatherspoons somewhere in the UK is beautiful and terrible, and the staff are really sick of it. Uh, so anyway, yes, um, from John, we have Gen Con Gothic. And from Terry's lists of movies, we have Walking Dead. I know that was a film. I guess it just... Content for us, so it's not so important. See, there was the Night of the Living Dead, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the... Huh, Return of the Living Dead series. I don't know. Okay, I'm going to have to go and look that up. Hmm. It, it counts. I mean, we, we turn our errors into content, so that is uh, how we do. <laughs> it's worked for 165 episodes so far. For a given value of worked, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> we still have our listener... I hope. Please listen. Please bless us with relevance. All right. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. We hope it hasn't actually been all downhill from here. And uh, we will hopefully see you next time for delicious, delicious dumplings, which could include literally anything. Literally. And figuratively, I guess, too. Oh. <laughs> What's in this, dump- this dumpling? Ambition. Ooh. Nice. All right. Yeah, on the Wii. Oh, I know those dumplings. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. <laughs> Have a good evening, everyone. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time!